You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, Yas here, and I just wanted to say it's great to have you join me today because I'm sure we're going to have another fantastic episode. So whether you're here for the first time or if you're one of the repeat loyal listeners of the show, I truly appreciate you. But before we get to today's guest, I just have a small favour to ask, and that's if you could just take a brief moment to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Ensure that you share it with all your coaching friends, and don't forget to get in touch, guys. Let me know your thoughts on what you think of today's episode or any of the recent episodes you've listened to. You can do this on Twitter at the Coaches Net. Once again, that's at the Coaches Net. And please make sure you do, as I'd love to hear your thoughts, guys. Anyway, on to today's show. I hope you enjoy it. Have a great day, guys. The Coaches Network. Hey, guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent, and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA licensed football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Right, guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas, and I've got a very special guest with me today. In fact, my guest today has been on the show for the third time now. Um, JP, JP Nurban, tell us, good evening, how are you? Oh, man, I'm doing great. Finally, uh, good to be back with you again. Thank you for letting me come on all these times. No, it's been it's been it's my my pleasure certainly. Um, JP, just um for anyone that hasn't had a chance to catch those previous episodes with yourself, um, brief insight around who you are, what you do, and we'll go from there. Yeah, I, I used to be a coach for years. Basketball is my sport. Now I've kind of moved into uh, kind of two roles that I that I support coaches. I support coaches a as a culture consultant. So I've been studying culture for the last seven eight years, really in depth uh, through readings, interviews, pot, you know, stuff with my podcast and and uh, written a few books and so I, i've developed or have you know kind of really taken other tools and strategies for building culture that other people have used and i've helped to package them in a way that are practical implementable and so i help coaches to implement some of those tools and systems within their culture to, to grow it the other aspect is i'm, I'm a leadership coach so a certified leadership coach and so i work to support coaches through their journey helping them to take different perspectives expand their perspective um, just whatever, you know, coaches need as far as just hopping on calls, those one-on-ones support that, uh, just walking the road with them essentially. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, kind of two roles as well as, you know, 
uh, writing books and, and podcasting. Amazing. And, and I, I want to, and I'm conscious, obviously, you know, the reason why we're going to be here today and, and having this conversation is slightly different to what we've just kind of entailed as your background. But I don't want to over, 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 you know, oversight on that, what you've just said. So just very quickly from your perspective, what is leadership? Because this, I think this is a topic of interest for a lot of people that will be listening to this and understanding what that could look like and what it actually means to be a leader. Yeah, I think leaders are people that help take other people, typically a group, where they want to go. I heard this the other day, um, really liked it. It was they create a, a future that wasn't, that wouldn't exist without them, you know? So I, I think that's kind of at the core of it is, is you're, you're in, using your influence to bring people towards a future that, that wouldn't exist without you. Amazing. Yeah, we're speaking of influence, and I think, um, you know, on to kind of really why we're here today. Obviously, you've got a new book that's out. Um, and it's a topic of the conversation for pretty much every coach that I've ever met. Right. Um, however, I like the I like the fact and I hope that, you know, through through the conversation, we are going to unpack how we can look at it from a positive perspective rather than the often negative perception that it has. And the negative connotation that's often attached to it is that we're dealing with rather than collaborating with parents so tell us more about the book and where it came from you know where it came about yeah just to kind of give you a brief brief overarching view you know i know i was in this podcast a while back talking about you know the culture system my most previous book which really is you know there's a book it's really a framework it's a framework for how you develop culture at the core of that framework is your leadership philosophy then outside of it uh within our flywheel is how we establish culture which is the relationships the standards how do we support those relationships and standards? And then how do we enforce those relationships and standards? While I was reading, writing that book, there was a lot of content that was geared towards engaging and working with the parents. And there was so much, in, in fact, that at one point I said, I have to just pull it all out. I have to put it into a separate book. So I was building that outline as I was writing the previous book, you know. And then, um, you know, I'd planned to write it a few years down the line. But then after I published the culture system, I got this text. And the parent didn't read the book, but it just was coincidental. The, a parent I had written about in the previous book who really became this, for me, a barrier. And 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 he it was a, someone I thought was in my corner all, all like for like four or five years, came at me because I disciplined his son in a way that, you know, he didn't like or didn't agree with at, in that moment. Kind of ran me off the road with his car, actually, uh, you know, long story short, and had some really harsh words for me. Definitely a low point in my coaching journey in some ways. Def really took that hard. But here, seven years later, I get this text from that very dad. And it was kind of like an apology. He wasn't apologizing explicitly, but he just said, hey, coach, I just want to let you know, essentially, you're the best coach my son ever had. And I tell people that all the time, not just because of the impact that you had on my son, but because of the example that you set for me as a father with you know, parenting a teenage, you know, boy, like you taught me how to be better at discipline and to do that in a way that was respectful. That blew my mind, right? Like, I mean, I knew I had an impact on athletes' lives. And I knew if I really wanted, and as coaches, if we want to really truly impact athletes' lives and influence them and help them become the best player and the best person they can be, we have to partner with the parents. But I never thought for a second that I actually influenced the parents. Like I actually impacted them. 
So I said, man, I really got to get to work on this book. So I just, just, just picked it up and started getting after it. You know, it's just, and at the core of it is a message around, Hey, parents aren't the problem. It's the way we're looking at parents. That's our problem. We've got to see parents as, you know, a partner. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and a really, you know, they are genuinely a collaborator. And I think one of the things I've often said in my journey is that to this day, you know, I've been coaching nearly 14, 15 years and I've not met a single parent that I can think of that hasn't got good intentions and generally wants to be part of the process that supports the child or the athlete in, in, in question. Um, often, you know, in hindsight, it sometimes looks at it, but often it's lack of understanding, lack of education on how best to support in a way that collaborates with the coaches or the other people who are involved in the process, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the, the difficult thing here is that we just want to put parents into simple categories. There's the crazy sports parent, and we want to put every parent that makes a mistake in that category. And the reality is there are some parents that are really, really difficult at different moments in our life and, and, and that are problematic and that our probably administration needs to step in and set some boundaries around. And I talk about that in the book. But there's also this element where parents are, they make mistakes. They screw up. They get a little bit too over, over involved. They're human. And, and so the whole partnership starts with a place of just seeing parents as humans and, and parents may overstep. They may get a little bit crazy in the stands. They may not always be perfect in supporting their son or their daughter or handle some loss or setback. And, and you know what, who doesn't handle things well all the time either us as coaches, we screw up as well too. So we're all humans. And so it's just coming back to this truth that we're human is, is the foundation. And I think it's a great point because, you know, I'm, a large part of the work that I do is around coach development and working with lots of coaches on a regular basis. And the the one consistent message I always give to coaches in a, is, if you like, a, a mindset that I want them to adopt is even when it's not your fault, it's your fault. <laughs> it, you know, and I, I you know, I, I encourage them to kind of take adopt that mindset and then kind of think about it from perspective of, it's not it's harsh it is but the world is harsh and but you know fundamentally if we're looking to take accountability even when it's not our fault it, for me it's a quicker way to find solutions to any problems you're facing yeah i think that's a big component of it is like failing to take responsibility for what we can control about the situation or how we could contend make it better if we don't take that responsibility then things won't improve, you know, and, and it's not to take the burden of every situation, every negative situation that comes up or any consequence or any conflict. And that it's all on us to always fix everything and say that we have hundred percent control over everything, but we always have something that we can do as a leader. Mm-hmm. We can always influence something. We can create the conditions for good things to happen. And we always can be working to create better conditions for good things to happen. I think you're spot on. And I, you know, I think that's just, Again, just to reiterate that that piece isn't, of course, it's not always our fault as coaches, but if we can adopt the mindset that, you know, that there's something that we can do differently, then we'll be, you know, we'll, we will be better served, in my opinion, in terms of getting to a solution that actually creates a good culture, good environment, good relationship with the athlete, good relationship with the parents and the support networks. So let, let, let's talk about the support networks. And obviously, you know, it's not always necessarily going to be just parents. Um but what are some of the biggest challenges that you've you've personally faced in, in that that dynamic in terms of yourself and the support networks? 
Yeah, when it comes to working with parents, some of the biggest challenges are the more one is just like this time thing. Like anything that I suggest around culture or working with parents, it's like, well, I don't have the time for that, right? There's that, that's a big, big factor. Um, or they just need to stay in their lane. And so it's just this perception of like whose role and response, you know, where the roles and responsibilities are. And so coaches, we're all constrained by time, whether you're, a lot of my clients are high-level Division One coaches. They're full-time paid. They have big staffs, and they still feel constrained by time, just as much as the youth soccer coach that does this as a side gig. We're all constrained by time, and then there's also just this uncomfortableness of engaging with other adults. And there's this weird power dynamic at play. So power and the structure of things. You know, we have control over playing time and roles, right? They are responsible for their child, right? There's just this weird dynamic. And then a lot of us have actually been burned. We've had really negative experiences. So we show up and then our, literally our, our limbic system goes, bing, you know, like it's like defenses go up and we're like sports parent, bad. Like we, we want to like stay away from them. And, and, and just, that's a natural reaction. Um, and so we have to overcome issues of those natural reactions that we have, the power dynamics and and also just the limit of t- limit of time to actually engage and and have conversations with parents. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that because you know there's a few different strategies that I've personally tried to utilize in, in, in my own journey around how to build those effective relations, how to get them not necessarily on side because I'm less worried about getting them on side, but more supporting them in their understanding of what I'm trying to do and maybe how I'm trying to do things and, potent- and the potential benefits that come off the back of it. So that's an example of that. It might be, you know, having a conversation with the parents pre and post training sessions, maybe to set out some expectation of what they're hoping to, you know, what to, what they can expect to see, and whether those outcomes were achieved on the back end of the session or on a match day, um, giving them a bit of insight around the observations that I've made. Or it might be, as a, as an organisation, as a club, we've got a, a terminal, you know, set set language and, and you know, glossary of terms and phrases that we like to use within the environment, helping the maybe the parents understand what that means and what that sounds like and what it looks like so that if they are going to be saying anything or supporting the players or trying to support the players in any way, they're doing it aligned to what we've already got in the, in the, in the program that we're running, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're really doing some great things in there when it comes to establishing this relationship and this partnership, early communication, whether it's to the parents as a collective, there's some strategies that we I could discuss there and there's to the individual Simply with an individual, you know, because everyone's situations and context is different. I have some coaches that are, you know, out recruiting, right? So that they have these parents come to them. They go to parents. They do home visits. I've got high school coaches in the states that every time a new player comes into their program, like into their high school programs, it would be they might do a home visit. You know, they go in and, and do that. Other coaches take the first two three weeks of the season and they schedule one a parent athlete coach conferences after every practice for the first two, three weeks or before practices. Some people like to just do something that's, that's very common in the school's education system. They take one evening of the, early in the season and they block out you know, three hours and just parents come in, sit down, but they have these conversations. And what it's, 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 it's about what is the conversation like? Well, one is just we're involving the athlete. We're asking the athlete to articulate to me as a coach and to the parent what their goals are, what their expectations are, what their hopes are, what they're trying to work on, what they want to improve on. So we're asking a lot of questions, allow them to articulate what's important to them. 
Then we're also asking questions of the parents of like, hey, why do you want your son or daughter to play this sport? Secondly, what do you hope they get out of it? What would a great experience? What are your biggest concerns for them in their sport? And what's your biggest concerns outside of the, for your son or daughter outside of their sport? So we're just showing an interest. What's important to you all as a family? Asking questions like the, these help to really challenge the parents actually to get make sure they're clear around the reasons why they signed their kid up. So mm. some of these one-on-one conversations can really help to get you on the same page with parents because you obviously then can articulate, hey, I'm here to help them grow as people, as athletes. This is mm. my hopes for them. But let's start with by allowing the athletes and the parents to articulate some of the things that are really important to them. Yeah, no, it just got me thinking as well. Some of the other things that kind of I've maybe faced a challenge with at times. And, you know, it's that piece around measurement of performance and development. Right. So some of the conversation I'm having with a lot of coaches at the moment is, oh, the parents don't think um, my way of coaching is supporting their their, their children in developing. Um, and it's interesting because I've had these conversations with parents in the past. Well, and, and, you know, the question I throw back at the parent is, OK, you know, my obviously my sport is football, soccer. Um, without without listing the number of goals, number of assists, and how many games have been won, can you clarify for me what development looks like to you? And I haven't met a parent yet that seems to be able to answer the question. <laughs> so you know, and I and I don't I say that you know in jest in the fact that it's not that those things don't matter. But the context around those things is probably a lot more important. And even if the role, you know, and fundamentally, those are the things that are easy for parents to measure. So, you know, from my perspective, it's always looking at, right, how do coaches get parents in a, in a, in a frame of mind where they understand that isn't what defines development, if that makes sense? Yeah, and I think that one big thing I would encourage all coaches to do is try to have some sort of preseason or early in the year meeting with the parents as a collective as a whole and in that you really want to achieve a couple things you know you can do many things in that meeting but two big ones one is articulate your philosophy as a coach why you coach why you coach the way that you do what your vision is for the team and what your vision is for every athlete like what are the things that you're trying to develop what's important to you what are some of your core beliefs your core values you know like that guide some of your decisions you know, and how you try to develop that program. So you have that philosophy, but also your system. How are you going to build that culture? How are you going to impact those athletes? Is through the way you discipline, through the way that you have player development, through your conversations with athletes, right? Every little aspect of your, your intentionality to bring that philosophy to life, that system, you want to share with that. So you want to articulate those things. So you're really trying to explain to them, you know, how you do things they can see and understand why, why you also do things the way that you do. But in addition to that, we also want to create opportunities to get parents to be connected to each other. So we do like some of your favorite team building activities that you might do with your team. Like we do speed dating. We do get question games. We just bring that in. We have the parents do it with the athletes. And then we have that moment where the coach shares that philosophy in their system. But, you know, we've had other things in there where coaches do X's and O's, you know, little mini clinics, stuff like that. There's just so many things you can do in that that make it actually a fun, engaging meeting that parents actually want to come back to year to year. But to your point, I really think it's about us articulating what development looks like beyond the goals, beyond winning. And that's where we come back to why do we coach? What's our vision for our athletes? What's our vision for the team? You know, 
what are the values that we are trying to instill in these young people? Yeah, and I, and I think it's a great point. And I think one of the things that maybe shouldn't be overlooked here as well is that actually having that conversation is just the first part of the, the kind of process. And the build on from that is actually, well, in some respects, redirecting the attention of the parents and the players in question that that was a conversation that they agreed to. And that was the outcome that they agreed to. That was a process that they bought into at the time. And it's just because necessarily they're getting frustrated because those more measurable things, such as the goals, the assists, or, um, you know, the results of the team haven't necessarily gone the way that they would hope and expect them to go. That it doesn't mean all of a sudden it's, it's been unsuccessful or that we should just go back to something different that wasn't what we agreed on, if that makes sense. Oh, it's absolutely perfect because, you know, those one-on-ones and that, you know, meeting with the parents where you agree on stuff, it's all about in that heated moment, that tough moment later on when things aren't going the way they want, that we can reflect back to that. One activity I love doing when I'm facilitating, I often facilitate for teams and we involve the parents and and I'm facilitating, we do an activity where we we take 10 things like points scored, um, you know, awards won, championships, playing time minutes and we talk about you know uh, memories growth as a person development as a player we, we go through like i have like these 10 things listed out and little slips of paper and i have the athletes and the parents and tables stack them in order of what society says is most important they do that and we share that and it's always you know typically points score championships one that stuff and stuff and i say now what's going to matter five ten years from now for your son or your daughter and then they restack it And it's always like memories, growth as a person, those types of things, right? And so we go like, hey, this is where society tells us to focus our attention, but this is what we know to be true and what matters the most. And so what we're trying to do here is we're trying to create an environment, a culture where coaches, parents, and athletes can all remind each other, hey, hey, let's remember what matters the most here. It does matter. Winning does matter. Development as a player does matter. Those things do matter. But what matters the most is these things. And if we take care of those things, those first things, those priorities, those secondary things will, will take care of themselves. I think it's a great point. You know, but I think it's it's interesting because, you know, I often say to, I think it depends on the environment, right? Um, and I'm currently working in, 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 with a few coaches who are, if you like, in what they in what would be considered a high performance environment, but at a youth level and more so to give more context to it, it's they're working with athletes who aren't necessarily in high performance programs at this point in time. However, that's the ambition for them to want to get into. And I think that that does, in my in my opinion, change. I guess the strategy and the intervention of what the coach is expected to do. Because yes winning is you know winning is part of that you know those pressures those expectations should be placed on it but also you know the, the behaviors of in between that understanding that getting the parents to also understand that the athlete isn't always going to enjoy every part of the journey mm. right and that piece is really key because some of the conversations i've often come across and had in the past is oh my child's not enjoying it no one said they were going to enjoy it you know and i, I, I often Often it likened it to a phrase that someone once said to me, you know, they're like vegetables. Not everyone's going to enjoy them, but we all know they're good for us. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I think this is something that us coaches sometimes get tasked with. That's not fair. We get tasked with 
we are like the sole determining factor of whether the kid is enjoying their experience or not. And if a kid's not enjoying their experience, it's our fault as a coach. And to your point too, maybe, maybe not. I don't agree with us being solely responsible for that. But secondly, I would say, just like you said, <laughs> should they have to enjoy every minute of it? Right. To, the, to your point, right? Like vegetables. <laughs> I love that bit. I, I think that that's a bit, that's a big thing. And so I think, What's really important, though, is we really define for the age group that we're coaching at what our objectives are. Like I'm coaching under eight scale football right now here in Ireland, and our goal is to try to help them enjoy every game. You know, now some days it's Ireland, it's raining, it's muddy and it's cold and they don't enjoy it. My daughter doesn't enjoy it. And I try to help them see past that to work through those moments. But our goal is really to help them enjoy it and fall in love with the sport. When they turn around 13, 14, 15, you know, if their team's got 50, 60 kids, they start to break off to A teams, B teams, C teams, you know, you, the coaches then we're, we're going to have to be really clear in our communication. Like, Hey, things are starting to change. Practices are going to get tougher. It's not going to always be enjoyable or easy for certain age groups, right? Other we're, you know, and we got different pathways here and like every, the dynamics change. You got a team is really competitive, more high performance, you know, Whatever, you know, it depends. Obviously, every club depends, you know, when they make that change, when they make that shift. But I think us as coaches have to be really intentional in that communication that, hey, things are starting to change here. I was working with a field hockey uh, club in the States, same thing. They, they're they pulling players up to a certain age group. All of a sudden, the, the it's not equal playing time, right, for everyone. That's a significant shift for the athlete and the parent to start to understand. I think I think that's a great point as well. You know, even that conversation around game time, I think is again contextual, right? Depending on the environment, the outcomes of the environment, and what you're trying to get there. But it, that is the conversation that needs to happen where parents need to understand that yeah, your child's not going to get every opportunity every, every just because they quote unquote just just because it's fair. <laughs> it, or they it, showed up the training, right? Yeah, they, they turned out, right? Yes, of course they will. They, you know, they, they they should get um some recognition for if they are attending training on a regular basis, and those things, of course, are important. And those aren't things that just because you haven't necessarily transitioned into getting the outcome that you're looking for, that you should kind of disregard. But fundamentally, there's it, there's there's attendance and there's competency. And then there's reliability. So as you know, as a coach, you have to you know you have to have that conversation with yourself sometimes. Can I rely on this person to do this job? And that's not because maybe they don't want to or they're not trying hard enough. Sometimes they're doing both those things. They do want to and they are trying hard enough, but they just they're just not there yet. And that's fine as well. So then, but that's a conversation with a parent, right? Because they need to understand your child may struggle in this opportunity here. So in our expert opinion, if you like, we think it would be best for them to maybe have less time in this one and maybe more time against this one, if that makes sense. But you also reach to certain levels there and you're really in competitive environment, you know, for a lot of my you know, clients at the high school or, or, or collegiate level, especially when a coach's job is on the line, right? Like in that type of performance environment, you know, decisions are going to be made about what's best for the team and give them the best chance to win. Now, here's the great challenge. As you start to make that shift to a little less time to 
potentially no time in a game in a match, depending on the level, you have to have the player see value of just being a part of the team. And so it's our job as a coach to create an experience that's not just around playing in the game, that we're creating a, a culture where people enjoy just being a part of it, working together, striving for something. And people feel appreciated whether they play 90 minutes in the pitch, they play 40 minutes, or they play zero minutes in that, in that match. Now, the challenge is the more that we keep parents at a distance, the more that we build walls up, the less connection they're going to feel with the team. And if they don't feel a connection to the team, then they can't be about the team. They're going to only be about their son or daughter. And so it's up for us as coaches to find unique ways to, they don't have to be a part of every team meeting or every little team event, but to start to include them so that they can experience some of the team experience. They can get to know the other players on the team and get to know some of the other parents. And once they get to know the other parents, the other players on the team and build relationships, they're more likely to support those other players. Yeah. Just gets me thinking, you know, thinking about some of the parents who have to deal with. So let, let, let's let's talk about this. So, you know, obviously the biggest conversation, like I said, often it's a negative conversation that often takes place around dealing with parents. So where's the, where's the first steps for you for coaches to start to kind of explore that and, and look beyond that to really shift that perspective and understand the value that the parents have? Because one of the things, you know, parents spend the most time with these kids. Well, they spend certainly spend more time with the kids than, than we do, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, common sense will tell common tell tell me that you know if we can get in get them to buy into it, then there's some key messages which can leave the penny dropping at different moments of their journey. One of my favorite things to do early in the year, and sometimes people coach my coaches do it as a part of the, that parent meeting where they're articulating their philosophy and all that stuff, is to run a practice and let the parents be involved. Sometimes the athletes are coaching the parents. Sometimes the coaches. So the parent or yeah, the athletes are coaching the parents. Sometimes the parents are helping the coaches coach the athletes for a little bit and they're stepping in in some drills. You know, sometimes it's just they're all in on the practice, but we actually involve them in that. It's so much fun. Every parent really enjoys it. And you just and, and it's so cool to see even athletes design a, a few drills and coach their parents. And it's just a unique experience. So just bringing them into that, especially if you have a really strong culture. And you got a really good practice that's competitive and gets after it, bringing them into that little just small moment there, allowing them to experience that and, and to be with other the other players and the other parents, that's powerful in itself. So it's trying to find little things like that that just bring them into the experience. So I mean, really, what you're saying is how can, how can we almost create a more more of a, a bonding experience with the parents and the athletes and the and the environment? So, you know, linking back into the culture piece. But I'm I'm thinking about it from Firstly, from that perspective, but also, you know, there's this going to be some parents out there that are difficult. So, you know, at what point do you do you start to say, actually, this person is a bit more of a grenade than an aid? Yeah, well, I, I think if you're doing some of these things early on and you're getting to know them as people, sometimes you can you, you can absolutely probably whatever disengage or, or disarm some of those grenades, you know, one of the coolest things, I mean, we've, I've got clients, we've designed mother daughter retreats, father son retreats, uh, Valentine's days with father daughters, mother sons. Like we've just done some really un- unique things there. We've had coaches bring parents 
in the locker room after games, after a big win to sell, to celebrate that and to be a part of that. We brought parents in to, to, to be there around a tough loss and just hear the messaging around that. So we bring these, these parents into that. What the feedback has been consistently is not only are the parents more in line with the, what the coach is trying to do in their, their child's life, not only is the parent more behind the team, and there's crazy stories I could tell you about how much they get about the team and their kids, but the parents are saying consistently, this has helped me grow closer to my son or my daughter. Sports have been something that's healed, sometimes often challenging relationships, especially as you get to those teenage years and beyond. And you throw sports in that, and parents, the create the grenade parent, oftentimes that parent, they don't have a great relationship with their with their kid because they're so into it. And so what we're finding is we're we're helping those parents to regain perspective a lot of the times. And we, we could talk about how we enforce boundaries in a second, but I just I didn't mm-hmm. want to throw that out there that so often the sports become something that heals. That's a good a good way of looking at it because I think you know even away from I guess development and competitive sport, a lot of people do obviously do turn to sport just as a bit of a you know a breakaway if you like in a, a kind of yeah just a, 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 a you know a place to go to get away from things you know what I mean it is a bit of therapy sometimes so got, let, let, let's talk about that because obviously you know some of the challenges that might exist and you you've alluded to it there is that involving the parents too much or being in a in a situation where they they're quite yeah involved could blur the boundaries and blur the lines around right how far is too much for them to be involved and what's what the roles and responsibilities are but you know and if they are made clear the other element is obviously that accountability piece and making sure that you keep checking in to make sure they help you know they they understand when too much is too much and when not when you know when when it's not essentially yeah, I mean, I, I want to share with you a strategy in a second here about that, around when a parent continuously oversteps. Before before I do that, though, I just want to, I'm curious from your perspective, what are some of your fears around bringing parents into a locker room as you run that session or something like that? Like what what this grenade parents? Because yeah, I just what are some of those fears that you? Yeah, might have? I mean, I probably wouldn't use the word fear so much. I think I think I I I, I only say that. Because I think I've experienced enough situations with it where I've just become comfortable dealing with that 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 type of interaction. Uh, but definitely, some of the things I can I can anticipate happening is probably worth giving you a bit more context in terms of the way I coach personally. You know, I'm very much it's an open process. I'm very clear in terms of how I want to do things. I don't. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have too much control over the players and the decisions they make. But I'm very curious in my, in, in, in my I guess, my approach. So a lot of it is very focused around developing an understanding for the players and raising their awareness you know to as many considerations that could impact and influence on their performance as possible so it's less directive and more open-ended questions for me and i appreciate and understand that actually with that means that sometimes it makes it a bit more vague in terms of what i'm measuring as a as an as an indicator of good or maybe negative performance mm-hmm. um and because that gray area has been created sometimes it does leave some of the parents who I've worked with in the past in a situation where they're like well we don't know what we're measuring and we don't know how to measure it so we're just going to go back to those those same metrics that we have always been on which is goals assists or whatever else that might be right so I think that's probably the biggest kind of hot mm. hole that I could potentially face with it I think outside of that it's the parent coach <laughs> who you know thinks they know about the sport or the industry that you're working in so they've got their own ideas on what it should or could look like um in fact i remember i remember one particular experience where you know i, I coached in the way that i've just described to you and a parent i just remember a parent came to me say yeah this is great the kids are loving it you know the, my, my my child's really like enjoying it but i was just wondering when when the coaching is going to be <laughs> and I, I thought wow okay that's quite interesting because i thought i was doing that but it's obviously you know um really what they were saying is when are you going to start telling them what to do mm-hmm. um, and, and, he, and here's what i would what i would imagine is that this is why it would be so profound to have them be a part an experience your a practice 
or a post-game review where the players are engaged in reviewing how the session went and they're having dialogue and they get to be flies on the wall. And when you invite parents into that, it's like you invite someone into your home, into your home. Even the most combative individual is actually going to be like a little bit more respectful. And you're in, you're, you're, you're leaning, you're obviously guiding and facilitating that discussion or, you know, post-game reflection, or maybe you're just giving a bit inspirational speech because you just want a big game. I don't know, but, but whatever that is, you're allowing them to observe the quality coaching and you're giving them insight into that. And I think that's probably more profound view into what you do in your coaching yeah. than anything I, they can see standing and during watching a match. I think the only, my only hesitation, if I was to you know look at that as an approach, would be, I mean, I, I personally would feel quite comfortable doing that. Um, my only hesitation would be that, would I get authenticity from my players though? Mm. Um, but I guess you know it's one of them ones where you never know if you don't you know you, until you try it, right? Um, so it, it, I think again, I'm looking, I'm just thinking about the, my environment and and where I work. I probably would do that, maybe eight to ten weeks after I've begun working with the group, oh, yeah, because yeah. by that point, because of the way I, because of the way I do a coach. In the initial stages, a lot of the players are really reluctant to actually answer questions and mm. give feedback and you know and review and reflect because really it's a new for a lot of them it's a new task it's a new it's a new skill that they're trying to develop that they've never really had the opportunity to express and explore before. So I think for me it's about coming back to you know what, setting the culture of what I'm what to expect as a coach and really outlining those expectations and I think that kind of then takes my mind to. You know, I guess another thing that probably could support it in the grand scheme of things as well is that giving them an insight of right of what to expect from you as an individual, as a coach, what that means, what that process looks like, and you know, because one of the things I'm big on is also parents understanding that so they they can hold me accountable if I don't follow through with what I said I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think you're right onto it there. You want to bring the parents in typically to an environment where the players feel comfortable and confident, whether it's in the practice to, you know, comfortable and confident enough, like knowing what they're doing and how to be involved in different drills or post-game reviews or, or whatever it is, you know, there's other ways to do this off the field through other activities. Like I mentioned before, just to bring them in a bit in the team experience, team meal, stuff like that. I mean, even something I'm doing at my, my daughter's team, I, you know, is, is they're young as I just, I pull the girls over at the end of a session the couple of days before or the day before the game. And I do some questions and we ask the players what they thought and I'm using doing a review and I say, okay, let's, let's carry that into the game. You know? And I, I, I let the parents overhear that. I want them to hear, I want them to be eavesdropping. And then I can follow up with a text message. Hey, just, so you know, we've been working on these things. And so if you're at the game, you know, these are the type of things we want to be encouraging these types of, your girls to be trying to do this and this, you know, encouraging certain behaviors. So, you know, I, I think it's the more that we can expose them to how we coach and, and why we coach, like not just tell them about it, but they can get that insight. I think we, it helps. It helps a lot, you know, for them to buy into what we're doing. So, yeah, okay. So it's just, let's talk about that, you know, to get their buy-in, you know, 
because part part you know the one of the biggest challenges that people are going to face in reality is this is that sometimes the athletes that have got in their environment they need to make sure they retain them right because though without those athletes there is no program there is no club there is no environment um so what would your advice be to those coaches who are going through experiences where they're having that battle and they're having that in the back of their minds to to the point where it's saying well i can't really quote unquote put my foot down on what it is that we're trying to do and how we want to do things because there's parents that aren't buying into it mm. into like a, a tactical or some sort of teaching approach yeah more the teaching approach element rather than the tactical aspect i i think like outside of bringing parents into a practice then beginning to experience the learning like put them through a few of those drills and how you do some reviews and stuff like that a lot of our coaches that are getting some of that resistance to those types of things they do you know x's and o's of clinics for the parents um to help them teach them about the game and, and the approach towards the game and, and at the end of the day there's going to come a moment where you may not agree and that's where it comes back to is like hey if you want to play like this team is about this there's obviously coaches that you know they can go to down the road probably from you that coach a much different way and have a much different approach and then i think there's just being okay with like letting them know that there are other options well hey i know there's other options this is the way i do it this is why we do it and, and giving them a bit of experience is the best that we can do but living in fear and being beholden to them and sacrificing our values and our principles around coaching and teaching and development like that's not a great way to operate and I think that's a bit key, isn't it? But then it's also it's also the coach having enough conviction and belief in the approach that they've got to the point where it's like, well, no, I'm not going to waver from this. Yeah, there's a conviction or a stubbornness. Sometimes we get we 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 wonder if are we in between those two? You know, like am I being stubborn here? Or am I being convicted? You know, one thing that I learned when I was coaching pro ball a couple of years ago was I had some convictions around the best ways to coach, but I also recognized that the athletes I was meeting they were you know they were pro, some of their veterans. What I was asking them to come to my way of coaching was too much of an ask for people that have been coached a certain way for the last 15, 20 years of their life. So Wait, I had that, to adjust. Is that a reason to avoid it? It's not a reason to avoid it. But what I needed to do was I needed to find a way to meet them where they're at. See, okay. I didn't want to be coach-led. I didn't want to be coach-dominated. I mm. wanted them to have more of a voice. But I also recognized that they, they articulated, we need you to have, be more of a voice. And so there were certain times where I came in, it was probably more of a voice than I felt like I needed to be or mm -hmm. I wanted to be. But then my whole thing was, hey, I'll come in here and I'll assert myself more than I would like or feel like I need to because you're asking for that. But then I'm going to slowly be pulling back over the course of the year, slowly be pulling back. And that was really reassuring to them because as a new coach coming into them, they needed to know that I was competent in the way that they viewed competence before. I show them like I can coach like that. I can do that. It's not because I don't have confidence in myself. It's yeah. because I believe that I need, but I have confidence in your ability to be articulate in huddles and to help us to make different decisions. <laughs> you know what? I think that's a great, great way to look at it. And you know, in that, yeah, you know, essentially, like you said, you're meeting them where they're at, right? You're giving them an insight of what they're used to, and I guess gradually dropping those bits in. Um. Would I ever do that though? I'm, I'm thinking about it. 
at him, or would I just go down the route of here's the way that I do things and here are the benefits with it, if that makes sense. I'm, I, you know, it's, it's a good. But here's how I would might approach that if I was you. When it comes to a group, is how 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 much are they craving change? And what type of change? And I, I would allow them sometimes, and that's what I think a lot of times when I have coaches that move into new programs and take over new teams, how much they can change from day one and how much needs to remain the same. Because too much change for certain people is too too triggering. And and, and we're asking too much of individuals. to, to And so we have to know our context. Yeah. There is no, like, well, okay, I, I start at a, when coach led to player led, I'm going to come in at a level, you know, two here all the time and then work my way. And I was like, no, 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 where are they at? Like some people are crying for change and mm. they want it and they'll jump right at what you're offering them. Other people are going to be a little more resistant to that. And so you have to figure that out. Yeah. I think the only thing that that goes through my mind as you're speaking, though, is you don't know what you don't know. Um, so if you if you're comfortable doing something, I think as as much as uh, as human beings, we we don't like change, but we often need change to get out mm. of our comfort zones. If you like, right? We need to be stretched and challenged in that way. And unless you get to a point where you understand that you need change, you're never gonna change. I remember this one thing I did with 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 my one of the teams, you know, that pro team was coaching a few years back, and I just said. Show me your, show me what you would usually do for your warm up, what you've been doing the last few years. Just, just a traditional warm up. I said, I asked a few leaders. I said, write it out, and you lead the team through it. And I said, okay, here's a few things I'm seeing. What, what if we made a few of these changes next time? This is why I would make these changes. Oh, I love that. Boom, boom, boom. They love that. Okay, can we make a few more changes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, the the warm up was completely different. You know, Um, could I have just jumped in and offered them? my my version of the warm-up from day one maybe yeah and maybe it would have been just effective but i also was just willing to see what they were they doing you know and and what needed to be changed and I, i'm working with an international team right now at the moment um an olympic team and they have a coach that's been with them for a while and that coach has been coaching a certain way they're heading into olympic trials and the reality is there's going to be a change, but that change can't happen right now because it's just too much at stake. That change has to come after this big moment. And so I think that that you know that coach recognizes that change has to be done in a certain way mm. and players can accept that. And I and it's not to say we're not being authentic. It's just knowing that we can be a bit malleable, be a little bit more fluid, a little more flexible in our coaching to meet our athletes where they're at and bring them on to better ways. Mm. I think, okay, I think what, you know, again, part of the, part of the challenge is though, right, is sometimes meeting them where they're at is also getting them to understand that they, there is going to be a lot of change in order the in, you know in order to get to the outcomes that they're looking for because maybe the, the environment or what they've been exposed to in the past from a i guess a cultural environment environment standpoint or even from a coaching standpoint is 
has its benefits, but it's probably not the thing that's going to help them get to where they want to get to on this journey, if that makes sense. So I guess it, it, yeah. you know, to some extent, you're completely, you know, they're, they're, there probably will be times when you have to completely shift that culture completely. Yeah, I mean, I, I could say myself from day one, there's certain things that are mine, things that I won't sacrifice. I'm never going to yell, demean, scream, or do certain things like that to motivate. And I'm never going to use physical conditioning as a consequence. It's it's something that I just, I move away. We're going to shift that dynamic. You know, if you miss a shot and you have a consequence where you want to do five push-ups and that's the way that you train yourself, that's fine. I'm not going to make you do it. You know, you're mm-hmm. going to have to find other ways. I'm going to find other ways to motivate you here. So there's certain things that just from day one, I'm like, this is how I do things. But, you know, I like to be a little bit more quieter. I like to be a little more reserved on the sideline. But they're asking me a little more assertive. That's well within my personality and my, and my possibility for me. I can be that and still authentic to who I am. I think sometimes we confuse style with authenticity or style with our principles and our style should be able to be malleable to, to an extent, but our principles, yeah, those we don't sacrifice. And so Mm. each of us as coaches have things that we're going to hold dear to and whether parents come or athletes want, want, once, you know, it's a lot to ask and it's very drastic, differently different. If we're not going to sacrifice those, then it's just early on communicating. This is how I do things. And if you come play here, this, we're going to have, like you, a lot more fluid training sessions. It's going to be a lot less, a lot more questions. It's, it, we're going to have different metrics for what success looks like. And, you know, you want everything that's about points and all these other things, they're, go to the other club. Like, that's that's what they're offering. And, and I think I think that's that's the challenge, isn't it? Though? Sometimes, you know, it, in being firm in what it is that you're trying to, you're, you're offering, if you like, uh, so that they understand fundamentally that the this is what I'm signing up to. And there's no gray areas in that. They need a black and white understanding of what they're actually putting themselves in for. Cause I think then it, it becomes easy for you to then hold them accountable to that. And I think if you, if you lack that black and white framework that they're tying into, then you're just going to leave yourself to further problems. So I guess, you know, thinking about it from beyond that and going back to the context of the book itself, what, you know, what are some of the strategies that you want to, you want, you want coaches to kind of take their minds to around exploring and potentially implementing from the get go different changes yeah so when it comes to those types of things i think what we really have to do is to be working hard to prepare the soil we have to say obviously these are some of the things that we just won't shift on a great story of this is anson dorrance at university of north carolina this the women's soccer or, or football coach there you know, 21 national championships, won a World Cup in 91 as a coach, you know, highly successful. The thing he is very famous for at North, University of North Carolina is this competitive cauldron where they rank players based upon wins and losses in, in the training session. His competitors, other coaches in the NCAA, recruit against him by saying, hey, you don't want to go to North Carolina. If you go to North Carolina, they're going to rank you. They had this thing called the cauldron. Da, 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 da. And Dorrance loves that. He says, if players say, I don't want to go to North Carolina because they rank me, then they've helped me select the players that aren't a fit for my culture. He's like, I want people who want to be in an environment that's highly competitive. I think it's just one of the coolest ways. Like from day one, he's like, hey, 
we're competitors here. This is how we do things. We have this cauldron, you know, we're going to come out here. We're just going to kick the shit out of each other every, every practice. And we're going to get after it. And it's going to be a lot of fun if you like that. And, and so it's really having this unapologetic way of being around like what's most important to you, you know, and, and, and if we can prepare the soil in that way for parents and athletes right off the bat, that will help. Just really just managing expectations, setting the expectations and then holding them to account on that. So just making sure. And I, th- I think that for me, just thinking about strategically, the thing that really makes a difference here is if you like check-ins and checkpoints at some, you know, throughout throughout the period of the season or, or, the, or the, the term that you're with them, right? Because it's almost, I'm just thinking about some of the biggest things that kind of really supported me in my own journeys. It's okay to change as well. It's okay to it's okay to change, um, but it's almost the change should also come with a conversation. The change should always also come with a conversation. In in that, it helps for us to establish right: is this working for us? I know this is what we said we're going to do, but actually, it might require a change now. If that makes sense, um, and what elements of that might be, if you like, in your structure, non-negotiable versus that. That which can be changed and not disrupt the course of everything that you're doing too much, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, and that consistent communication throughout the year is key. And, and there's a few ways to do that. One is through, you know, oftentimes our coaches have an email or some sort of message that goes out weekly. We want that usually to be about things other than just where people need to be and what they need to bring, right? We want that to be around, hey, what are we working on? technically tactically what are we working on culturally within their character we want to be discussing those things and so that might be an appropriate time for you to say hey we've learned over the last few games that we're really struggling with this since we've decided to change up the formation or change how we're approaching this or whatever it be and, and to introduce that and explain the why uh rather than have it to be some big secret the the, the other element that i think you talk about check-ins and i'm a big believer in is every time i have a formal one-on-one with an athlete this is a way to create a lot of buy-in around like the playing time and roles things is coaches I, that I work with. They typically have a one-on-one 10, 15, 20 minutes with every athlete, every four, six, eight weeks, updating oftentimes what we call a player development plan or a personal development plan, which is a document each athlete with coach has on for each athlete that's shared between the two of them around their goals, their areas of growth, the commitments they're making, the things that coach will do to support them, but also their role. Well, Every time a coach meets with an athlete formally, and potentially informally, a great habit for coaches to get into is just to have a follow-up text, email, or phone call, or the next time they see that parent, just saying, hey, met with so-and-so the other day. This is what I love about coaching her or coaching him. Mm. Thanks for the opportunity to work with your son or your daughter. These type of investments then help you down the line. When it comes time for you to actually have a hard conversation where you have to say, hey, we got an issue with your son or your daughter. This came up and they're going to have to see yeah. out a game or they're going to be dropped down the lineup or whatever it is. Like you're, you're making positive deposits. That yeah, way yeah. When you're going to make a phone call because there's an issue. It's not like, you're oh, ready to gosh, credit the bank. Strong. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think, I think it's a great, a great way to look at it. I mean, <laughs> it's almost, um, it's like that old phrase, right? You're going to catch them, catch them, catch them when they're in rather than catch them when they're out. Because if you catch them when they're in enough times, when they are out, it, it it it's not 
they're, they're still listening to the, the critique of the criticism or the comments with open ears. Mm-hmm. Because you've really got that credit in the bank, right? That relationship, you know, you've, you've done the investment, you've already put that, you've already put the work in to build that. So I think that piece is so important, and I, you know, I think it's a great way to look at. It. Like I said, if you if you are if you are praising, you know, the, the dynamic of the relationship, the effort, or the the work rate of the individual in question, the parent is obviously going to have a positive positive light on whatever everything you everything that you do. It, it, it how to win friends and influence people, right? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And, and and I know you mentioned earlier about like those grenades and enforcing boundaries with certain parents. And there's going to come a time when there's that parent that still behavior is unacceptable from the sideline. Or you observe the way that they interact with their child after a game or a match is kind of of concern. Or you hear things. You hear them grumbling. You hear them complaining about you or your coaching. Um, you just, you're going to see certain things that are you know, really not how you want parents to do things in your program. And there's fun ways and easy ways to do some simple feedback, but if it's a real problem, you need to sit down and you need to have a hard conversation. And, and I really advise coaches when you do that, a few things. One is just to share that, share it as an observation, not a judgment and, and, and share that and hold it lightly. So it's, Hey, I'm, I'm seeing this, or I'm noticing this, or I'm hearing from other people, this could be wrong, but this is what I'm seeing. And that doesn't seem like the way that's that we want to do things here. Mm. We've talked about, or it doesn't seem like it's really helping. It seems like it's, it's really distracting for the players or it's just a bad example for, for the, for the, for the team or it gives us our club a bad look, you know, with the, with the referees or umpires, whatever. And, and so what do you think? Or what's true about that? Just asking them that question. What's true about that? Or what do you think about that? And I, I think that's good as well because the thing is, like, again, I think it's probably part of the reason why I coach the way I coach because I think what I've what I've learned and what I've understood and appreciated is actually being me being more curious about what they think opens the door for us to have a stronger and more transparent relationship around what we're trying to get to and how we're going to get there. But that it it does take you know from experience it does take some time to get to a point where they can actually trust that that you're asking questions from a place of support and not a place of judgment if that makes sense. Yeah, and here's here's what I would say. This is one of my new principles. I'd say I learned this year, um, and I'm I'm carrying it. I try to carry it into everything in life. But when I'm giving feedback, whether it's to a player to a parent, to someone in my life, a family member? Am I, what am I learning? Because when we give feedback, we should still be giving it as an observation. We should be asking questions. And I should be learning what they see in that, what they hear in that. Oftentimes we only think we're learning when people are giving us feedback, but mm. we should be learning when we're giving feedback. And if we can make that shift in all of our relationships, we will give feedback a lot less harshly and we will come in there way more curious than judgmental. Yeah, and I think it's important because I think one of the things that's always kind of stuck with me is, um, well, if I'm giving you feedback, I want to be sure about what I'm giving you. It just means I have to pay more attention, be more attentive to the information I'm giving you. And I guess not just the clarity of communication, but the the quality of the information I'm providing you. Because I don't want, I don't, you know, if I'm going to be taking time and effort to give you the feedback, I want it to be useful and valuable. So I think it just does, 
it makes it challenges me as an individual to say right actually am i doing enough to give that support to you and give you the right information which in some cases is going to stretch my challenge my current thinking taking me to a point where actually i've had to digest it twice if that makes sense mm. yeah i mean it's just sharing hey i'm noticing this what are you noticing yeah you know um I'm seeing the impact of this behavior. What do you think about that? And they probably have some sort of explanation or rationale or reasonings behind why they're doing things. But you know what's so interesting? When we sh- when, when when I have coaches that do this, they have to engage in hard conversations with parents and share feedback. When they do it this way, they share feedback with curiosity. What they get over half the time and, and granted, these coaches have also done a lot of the other stuff I mentioned. Like they built relationships, they communicate the philosophy, they've done all the right things, right? But when they do this, over half the time, the parent goes, ah, oh, you're right. I'm sorry. I needed that. Thank you. Like literally, I had a coach one time sit down and start to ask, give the feedback to a parent. And the parent said, stop, 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 please, please. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. I, I, I've just completely lost myself recently. Like a woman literally stopped it. She called the meeting to give out to the coach. The coach said, hey, okay, what's going on? Like, I'm seeing this. I'm hearing this. And he shared it so like, what, what, what do you see? And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm just a moron. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be here. <laughs> it's like, so, so when we do this, sometimes we, this isn't always every case. But when we do that there, people are a lot more receptive to. 100%. So JP, just you know, just to build on that, then you know, if we were to I guess summarize some key messages that you want, you know, coaches to really start considering, take away from this, and hopefully, hopefully, begin to implement straight away if, if possible. What would those be? Get your mindset right first with your with your parents, which means learn their names, learn about something about them outside of their sport, see them as a person, not just as an obstacle. We all are imperfect. That'd be the first thing. Second thing, do something to make sure you laid out the foundation, the philosophy of what you want to do, the conversations you don't want to have, the conversations you want to have, like you want them. Hey, I want you to reach out about these things, right? Create those that partnership as well as, you know, those boundaries and that standards right off the bat. You know, that partnership is, is done in some of those one-on-one conversations. Secondly, try to draw them into the team or thirdly, try to draw them into the team, team experience. Help them to experience the team environment, your coaching, give them insights into that, not just tell them about that. And lastly, you have to be prepared to have hard conversations, work with sometimes club administrators or admin or committee members to actually hold parents to some sort of standards, you know, because at the end of the day, we have to protect the athletes and we have to protect the environment. And if we have an environment where parents are just all roaring and screaming on the sidelines, and yelling at the kids and getting on the referees, it's not a healthy nurturing environment. It's not promoting the cultural values that most organizations and clubs want to be about. And so it's up to us as coaches and administrators to, to do some tough, sometimes some hard, tough things in that. So that'd be the last thing is just be ready to, to enforce some boundaries as well. And I think that's a great way to kind of top, top it off really, because it's you can have all these great ideas, but unless you're willing to follow through with it, I think you know, they're often going to fall flat on their face, aren't they? And it's just having, like you said, you know, it could be an element of stubbornness. It could be somewhere in between stubbornness and conviction. But I think having a bit of a hard head in some respects that this is the approach that we're going with. And this is we're doing this with the best of intentions. 
is probably uh, you know probably a, key, a biggest key takeaway for me personally. Um, JP, can, just on on that, go on. Can I just offer one more thing? And can, I'm going to be a little stubborn and hard headed right here for a second here. If a coach is still struggling with the message that I'm delivering today, and they're still resistant, I, I'm going to be a little harsh in this. I'm going to say if you truly care about your athlete their development as a human being, if you care about their mental health, how could you keep and, and distance yourself from the most influential person in their life? How can you continue to build walls? If you really care about their mental health and their development, you need to be building a partnership and working with the most influential person in their life, even if that scares the hell out of you. You gotta lean into that and you gotta have some courage and you gotta take some risks doing the exact same st stuff that we actually challenge our players to do. We tell our players to take risks. We say, go out there, play fearless, have courage. And sometimes that's for us, that message also, we need to carry into our own coaching. A hundred percent. I'm just thinking that the only challenge that will come with that is if you've got a parent who really thinks they know what they're doing. But no matter how, how, how those types of parents, those real crazy ones, no matter how big you tall you build those walls, they'll still find a way to get in there, man. Exactly. Right? Exactly. That. So I think, you know, it's just, I guess, I guess for some people, they'll look at that situation and say, are we better off just staying away from that one, not even letting them touch us, if that makes <laughs> sense. You know what I mean? But, you know, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great, you know, insight in terms of how to approach that collaboration piece and turn it from what could be often perceived as negative in the, in the way that we're, quote unquote dealing with a parent as opposed to maybe collaborating and getting a buy-in off a parent. And I think that you know that, that piece does go a long way. And for me, I just reiterate what I said earlier around I personally haven't been in a situation for all the crazy things I've seen parents do where any of the, their actions or their behaviors come from a negative place. It's often not is well again, like I say in my experience, it never has come from a negative place. It's often they want to support and this is the only way in which they know how. Um, so I think it's a, a very much a, you know, you, you take you take you taking on a family, really, aren't you? You know, you you can coach an athlete, but actually you've got to coach and support and educate the the parent just as much. Um, hopefully not with all of them, but I think that's just certainly the way that I would look at it. And then you know, so J JP, just to kind of wrap up, then you know, tell us where can we where can we find the book? Where you know where can we get access to it? Yeah, where most people get their books these days, you can have, head over to Amazon. It's on Kindle, Amazon. It'll come out to Apple Books as well so shortly. The Sports Parent Solution. Go also over to my website, tocculture.com, uh, and there's links there as well to the book. Amazing. JP, look, I really appreciate your time today. Um, great conversation, as as always. Yeah, well, I I really enjoy it. it like you said, it, it's a conversation. You're so curious and inquisitive. It's always a lot of fun, man. Awesome. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at the Coaches Network or on Twitter at the Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys. Take care. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.